Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Quiet, I'm broadcasting. That's enough. He's ready to fall. Bradley J. Could I talk to you? J Talking. J Talking. WBZ News Radio 1030. God is a question, not an answer. Not only is that a, an idea, it's a book by William Irwin. And William joins us now on WBZ. Hi, hi, William. Thanks for having me, Bradley. Absolutely. We speak a lot on theology here, this kind of thing theology, philosophy. And so I'm glad to have you. I'm not an expert, and a lot of folks out there that talk about it with me are not experts. Well, and you've, we're, you've, we're, you're, we're all you're, in the same boat in, uh, in a ship of uncertainty the way that I see it, so that's fine. All right. Now, I have a plan, if you'll indulge me. Yeah. What do you tell people that have no doubt that, for example, Noah lived to be 900? Well, uh, that Noah lived to be 900. Well, I, I would tell them that, uh, that the Bible isn't meant to be taken literally, that the, the original audience for the, the Genesis, uh, the book of Genesis, didn't take it literally, and the idea that we should take it literally now doesn't really fit with the original intent. These people are certain. They have faith. What do you tell someone uh, that believes absolutely the Bible is the Word of God and not something twisted up by man? Yeah, I, I mean, all, all, you really can't talk somebody out of that view in a, in a single conversation. All, all you can do is, is point them to the uh, to the history that's been written about it, and uh, all, all you can do is, is suggest that all human beings are are fallible and point to the chain of human beings that uh, that put together uh, the uh, the Bible and 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 what they have in front of them, uh, but. Uh, uh, I, I guess. The, I, mean, I have another uh, question for you. What do you tell somebody that is certain there is no God? Yeah. Well, in in, in that case, it's, I think it's it's somewhat easier, right? Because uh, certainty isn't something that we're really in, in, entitled to. I, I don't think. And, and that's at the crux of your your premise. So, God is a question, not an answer. What do you mean by that? Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, it, it's a play on words, right? And, and basically, it, it's saying that God and the existence of God and what God is, these are really some of the biggest questions that human beings face. And the idea of, of having certainty about the answers on either side, as you were pointing to with your previous questions, uh, is false. And uh, real honest believers, not the kind who will swear up and down that they're certain that Noah lived to be 900 or, or whatever, but real honest and educated believers will admit that there's some doubt, right, and they struggle with doubt uh, in the midst of their faith. And so really what I'm trying to do as well in the book is point in the other direction and say 
to the atheist that uh, the honest atheist, like the honest believer, has doubt. And this gives us some common ground in our uncertainty, not that we're going to talk one another over from one side to the other necessarily, but we can gain from the conversation and learn from one another if we recognize that there is this common ground of uncertainty. I have folks that I speak to uh, on the program, like uh, Sally in Boston. She is certain, 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 certain. Is she? Are you saying she's not an honest believer? Well, I, I, I yeah, I don't know. Uh, she, she may not be honest in uh, in saying that to you, right? Uh, because in in my experience in, in talking to most people, that even the most devout and the most muscular in their beliefs nonetheless have those dark nights of the soul where they entertain some doubt. And uh, frankly, I make the case in the book uh, that you should uh, entertain that kind of doubt. Are you saying that no matter how certain someone seems, it's impossible they would not have doubt? I would want to say that that it's impossible. Uh, I, I would simply want to say that it's unlikely, and and it's actually not a good thing. Uh, even uh, as I point out in the book, even uh, a saint such as Mother Teresa experienced profound doubt. It really isn't a shortcoming of a person and their faith to experience doubt. In fact, without doubt, there really is no faith. There's just a sort of silly certainty. Now I do know where you go in this book and how you get there. And I will get to that. This is all prologue. Okay. Next up, you, you, you mentioned, you referenced Camus and the Stranger. I just read that a month ago. Again, can you outline the premise of Camus the Stranger and how it relates to what you're saying? Yeah, so uh, in Camus the Stranger... Uh, the uh, protagonist commits a murder, uh, really uh, in, in a seemingly senseless kind of way, and is unapologetic for it. And uh, the uh, way that I make the connection is that uh, in, in just the past few years, there was uh, a sequel written to The Stranger. The original is written by the existentialist philosopher Camus, and the uh, sequel is written by a contemporary uh, French Muslim, and uh, he takes up the issue of uh, you really lose track of uh, what happens to the person who was killed in that story. It's all the emphasis on the uh, the person who did the killing, and the person who was killed was actually a Muslim. And uh, in this sequel story, The Merceau Investigation, uh, a character blurts out this line uh, that God is a question, not an answer, in response to his imam hounding him repeatedly. And that just resonated with me because uh, as a teacher of philosophy, uh, that's uh, really sort of my, my pedagogy. Uh, I'm not trying to get any students to believe or not to believe, but I'm asking them to, uh, to pose the question and uh, to live in the question, which is really what I do myself. All right. Now, you, what I'm going to say now, I say because there are those that believe, believe, believe. You say you can doubt pretty much anything, but at some point, doubting is foolish. Yeah. You can doubt that fire will burn you. You can doubt that knife will cut you. And It may right. seem like I'm parsing, but I really have to understand where you're coming from if I'm going to understand and accept the book. Right, right. 
so w- what I'm trying to point out in the book is that there are really two two kinds of doubt, right? There is the uh, the state of doubt, uh, which is a state of uncertainty, and there's the feeling of doubt, right? And uh, so w- when you uh, are about to uh, cut yourself with the knife, you probably don't have any feeling of doubt uh, that it will cut you. But you can, uh, if you have enough uh, self-control over the impending harm, have a sense of doubt, right, uh, recognizing that it, there, it's at least possible uh, that there would be no pain or cut resulting. This all just traces back uh, to the, uh, the start of modern philosophy with Rene Descartes, who asked us to imagine uh, that uh, the possibility that we were dreaming or the possibility that we were victims uh, of an evil deceiver and the whole uh, of our experience was really just an illusion. And so I'm just making the the point that uh, if we can uh, find uh, the uncertainty and the possibility for doubt in even the uh, existence of the world as it appears to us, well, then, uh, in things where we uh, we certainly find more disagreement and more room and reason for doubt, such as the existence of God uh, or the non-existence of God, we can find uh, reason, if not the feeling for doubt. And so when, when you talk about a person, uh, like you mentioned earlier, Sally from Boston, and the person who believes, 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 uh, I suspect that a person like that is attesting to uh, a feeling of belief and uh is right. not recognizing the, the kind of state of uncertainty in which we find ourselves. Okay, you referenced Rene Descartes, and again, to, to put it another way, you're saying that as Descartes sits in front of his fireplace and all his senses are saying, you know, there's a fire fireplace there and it's warm, and he's certain of that in a larger sense in sort of a an outer nesting doll of level of certainty. He's in the outer level. He's uncertain of what he's certain of because this may be an a demon of some kind making him feel these things. So he certainly feels them, but he has this separate layer of uncertainty. And that's awkward to me because I, it seems, well, it seems unnecessary because for me, certainty is simply a continuum between less and more certain. And that may not work for what you're trying to do, but I don't, it's tough for me to buy the certainty within a state of uncertainty unless these certainties are qualitatively different and I don't see them qualitatively different maybe you can make me understand how they are to me if you're Rene Descartes and you believe there's a fireplace burning in front of you and everything's telling you that it's there and you're certain if you're wondering whether some demon is giving you that illusion that's not being certain within a state of uncertainty to me that's just being uncertain yeah, no, I, 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 I see what you're getting at, and it certainly is awkward, right, because we're using the same word in really two different ways. And uh, I guess what I'm pointing out is that you can, have, you, can, you can have feelings of certainty within a state of being uncertain, right? Uh, you can uh, not have your feelings match up with the actual uh, metaphysics of, of the situation, right? And, and Descartes wasn't shaking at his core with feelings of doubt and uncertainty as he was musing on this, but he did recognize uh, that objectively speaking, he could not be certain about the situation, and so that it was subject to doubt. And and that really is meant to apply to the whole range of human experiences. 
And uh, so I'm just using that as sort of a jumping off point into the idea that if we can uh, feel and uh, be in a state of uncertainty about uh, things that seem absolutely uh, unshakable, then things where uh, intelligent, educated people disagree, certainly there's even more room for uncertainty uh, there, both in terms of the feeling and in terms of the objective state of the situation. So, you know, what works for me is another construct, belief versus knowledge. Now, yeah. I can have all kinds of beliefs. That's a fireplace there. I can believe that and believe that and believe that. But I have to acknowledge the possibility that it's not. So I can believe that but still have knowledge that I may be wrong, which seems to me kind of analogous to certainty versus in a state of certainty, belief versus knowledge. And, and an example would be, well, an example would be, I believe there's God, but mm -hmm. I can't be, I can't have the knowledge that it's true. And what I hear you saying is we can all believe what we want to believe, but if we're going to get along, we have to acknowledge that we do not have the knowledge. We don't really know. Yeah, yeah. So, so ever since Descartes, philosophers have argued about what the difference is between certainty and knowledge, right? For Descartes, knowledge and, and certainty are, are very much... Uh, close together, and, and ever since then, philosophers have wanted to say, well, we know lots of things about which we don't really have certainty. But, but I, I see for sure where, where you're going there, right? Okay. Uh, generally, uh, knowledge has been just, uh, defined as true justified belief, and that, that's the, the crux of the debate, right, where the, uh, the uh, believer will say that not only uh, is their belief true, but they have reason justification for it, and uh, on the other side, the, the non-believer will say that their belief is true, and they also have justification for that. But what I'm pointing out is even though both of them may claim knowledge, uh, that uh, what they don't have is certainty. And what they do have, instead of certainty, and what we need to, this sounds horrible, yeah. get rid of, if, yeah. we're, if we're going to get along, is faith. Ah, well... A certain kind of faith, right? Uh, a, a faith that uh, is, is sort of muscular and won't admit uh, of any kind of uh, possibility of being wrong, right? So if, if we think of faith as less tied to belief and inerring belief and more connected to a kind of commitment and insight, then maybe faith isn't so bad, right? I mean, uh, we're uh, speaking to a lot of Boston Red Sox fans tonight, I know, who persevered through a great deal of uh, faith before the Red Sox finally won a World Series again after that long drought, Yeah, right? that's not, that's not, I don't think that's a good example because they really yeah. don't have justified certainty or justified knowledge. Or, and, and, well, that, that's, exact, that's exactly my point. They didn't have that. All they had was commitment. Uh, and that's another way of thinking about what, what faith is, that it's less tied to specific beliefs than it is to kind of commitment and practice, right? See, you, so. The way you feel about faith seems to me to be more like hope than justified knowledge. They, well, these Red sure. Sox fans I would, I have... Would, I, would, I would never describe faith in terms of justified knowledge. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. 
No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right. Yeah. Well, see, the way I see it is when people, they know something to be true. They, they believe it at one level. Yeah. And at the other, and they have this state of certainty. And they, they say they have a, a justified knowledge. They don't. Go ahead, prove it. How do you have your justified knowledge? And, and what they use to substitute it is faith. And That's they're never right. going to give up. They're never going to express the doubt that you say, and I agree, that we all need to acknowledge as long as there is faith. As long as there is faith, there is no doubt. And your book won't work as long as there is faith. Well, I mean, I, I just have to disagree. There are, there are certain people, I'll, I'll grant you, who have that take on faith. Uh, but really, the the more mature believer recognizes that faith and doubt go hand in hand. It's it's a struggle. It's an up and down. It's a back and forth. It's like a marriage uh, that you need to make work uh, a commitment uh, in faith. Uh, I mean, just because we can trot out some examples of some people who will say that uh, I never waver in my uh, in my belief. Uh, that really doesn't do justice to the vast majority of uh, of mature believers, I don't think. Isn't faith the exact opposite of knowledge or a state of certainty? No, I don't, I, I don't think it is. I mean, it certainly isn't the opposite uh, of knowledge, right? For the for the believer, uh, they think that their belief is true, and they think that their insight, their faith, whatever it may amount to being, uh, is a kind of justification. Now, I don't happen to accept that myself. Well, that's right. And you want people to say God is a question, not an answer. You want folks to acknowledge uncertainty. They're never going to do that as long as faith is around. Because when you say, hey, you cannot be certain, you do not have knowledge, they say, that's right, I don't. I have faith instead, so I do not, I, I don't need to doubt. And, and if they're not doubting, then we're not going where we would both like to go. I mean, that may be an initial reaction that you get from uh, from some people, but uh, I, I've heard from uh, a good number of people who find the, the, the message welcome, because although they may have uh, been raised in and find themselves still in a tradition that emphasizes this uh, faith that's uh, impervious to doubt, in their own hearts they do doubt and struggle, and uh, they're glad to hear a message of uh, holding on to uh, what, what's important to them and their tradition or whatever it may be, and, and nonetheless right. acknowledging the humanity uh, of their own doubt. I see where we're at odds. It, it's over. Uh, you believe that you can have faith and doubt. You can acknowledge doubt and have faith. To me, and when, when I speak to Sally, she has ultimate faith and zero doubt. Doubt. Yeah. Yeah. What, the, the, faith is the opposite, the kryptonite of doubt and vice versa. Let's go back and get an overview of why this is important. As, as I see it, you're saying, hey, folks, you're free to believe whatever you want to believe given what you experience. You all need to acknowledge that what you experience may not be true, actually true. You, you must acknowledge a state of uncertainty. And that, that way we can all get along. But if I go to, say, Jordan and I interact with some serious uh, Muslims, 
And I, and I say, you know what? We're all uncertain, right? You believe what you believe based on all that you see, but you got to admit, you don't really know. You don't have justified knowledge. They'll go, well, no, I don't have justified knowledge. I have faith. And therefore, I refuse to go along and embrace doubt. And to tell you embrace doubt, all, we all embrace doubt. We can't get along. They're not going to get along until they give up on faith because that's the kind of placeholder that they stick in where true knowledge should be in order to justify intransigence. And we got to get rid of that placeholder before we can embrace faith and all get along. Embr- excuse me, embrace doubt and all get along. Thoughts? Yeah, so... so- in in terms of of getting rid of faith i mean i I'd, I'd, I'd be perfectly happy to see that uh go myself as a person who doesn't profess faith but just trying to make some sense of it myself uh i, I think the the more we speak about it in in human terms uh the better we do and 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 the more we allow people to be uh, not so inflexible in, in their uh, in their faith, and uh, you see the word faith come up in in other areas, and I think not on un- unrelated ways, right? We think about uh, a faithful spouse, right? A faithful spouse uh, isn't one who's constantly loving and always does uh, the right thing down to the smallest uh, detail, but but someone who perseveres in in making a marriage work, right? And uh, I think most people too just trying to think in terms of uh, of our context right now with a, a, even a radio signal, right? For a lot of people of faith who I've spoken to, uh, it, it's like a radio signal that you need to tune in, right? And uh, sometimes the reception uh, is better than others, and sometimes you're not getting the reception uh, at all. And I think that's that's just a very common, if not universal, experience for people who profess faith. And uh, they may have been told that uh, there should be no wavering in their faith, but I think they know in their hearts that there is that wavering, and it's not necessarily uh, a bad thing, because really the, the commitment that comes with faith uh, is a partner with doubt, rather than, uh, as we've been discussing, an enemy or the kryptonite uh, of faith. All right. As an aside, I when I think of Red Sox people having faith, or sports fans yeah. having faith, I yeah. really don't believe they have faith. I believe they have hope. And they say they have faith, I think they have hope. But that's not really germane here. When we're really talking about faith, you write, faith is a gift. So you yeah. do address this notion of faith. It's germane. What do you what do you say about it in the book? Well, I mean, uh, faith as a gift is a sort of two-edged sword, right? I'm, I'm playing with that. Some people uh, look at it uh, as, as a gift, like some people have a, a talent for uh, appreciating the subtleties of music or wine, that sort of thing. It may be a talent or a gift that way, uh, but I also play on the uh, the German word gift, uh, pronounced gift, actually means poison uh, in German, right? And so I'm considering the possibility that uh, this faith uh, is really something that's noxious and uh, poison and simply human-made, right? So we, we see all sor- sorts of awful things done in the name of faith, right, from the 9-11 terrorists to the Crusades uh, and so on and so forth, down to just uh, some of the basic uh, mistreatment and tolerance of, uh, of daily life. Uh, so I, I'm not saying necessarily that it is 
a gift in the positive sense. All I'm saying is that uh, we need to consider that it could be either of those two uh, senses of gift, uh, the talent or the ability on the one hand or the terrible poison on the other, uh, or perhaps it's just some kind of uh, uh, manufactured uh, human uh, way of interacting with the world. So if you do choose, if one chooses the the meaning of the German meaning, meaning poison, is faith poison, then you're kind of, that meaning really kind of agrees with me that it is the enemy of getting along, it is the enemy of all embracing doubt together, and until that poison is gone, we really can't acknowledge the doubt and get along. Yeah, no, that that would be the uh, the other uh, extreme, right? To simply look at it as something that we have to get rid of, right? And really, you know, the the, the new atheist Dawkins and Harris and company, who who really came into prominence after nine eleven, uh, are of that mind, right? That religion poisons everything. That uh, religion uh, and faith is poison, and we ha- we have to get rid of it because it it spills over. Uh, into these really harmful actions. There is an, a philosophical construct, can't remember the name of it, where the proper way to act is the way that if everyone acted that way, the world would be a better place. And yeah, according so that, to... That, that's Kant's categorical imperative. Right? Okay. According yeah. to Kant's categorical imperative, her belief system is wrong because if everyone believed that way, everyone would vote that way, and it's just not a healthy thing. Well, right, and, and, and she doesn't even uh, have a place for, for genuine free will in that, right? Everybody is uh, is governed by God, and even if you've done something wrong, it somehow uh, is God's will, and it all works out for uh, for the best. So, I mean, there, there are lots of problems uh, with, with that sort of uh, worldview holding together. Right. So I think, Linda, and this is tough love, I think that it's good that you believe, but I think it would be helpful for you to believe to realize that belief exists within a sphere of uncertainty. You really don't have the true knowledge. You're free to believe, but I think that you should allow for a little uncertainty. You can Life will still be the same for you. We yeah. have now uh, Dave and Malden. Hi, Dave. How you doing? Good. Let me, put a, let me put it real simple. Everybody needs to smarten up in the world because God put this world together. Number two... They all need to pick up a Bible and start reading what God did for this world when Jesus walked on earth. There you go. What do you say to that, William? Well, I'm I'm, I'm not quite sure uh, what to say to that. I mean, I, I certainly understand the uh, the disgust with the, with the state of things that seems to be uh, behind it, and I understand uh, that uh, that the Bible is uh, of real value to people, including uh, that listener. But the idea that that everybody would find the same things in the Bible and the same guidance in it. Uh, simply isn't so, uh, and, and rather than point to the Bible as a as the source of uh, salvation for everyone, uh, I think we do better with recognizing our uncertainty, and uh, with that uncertainty, uh, a growing tolerance for people who approach things differently. In your circle of friends and students and people you run into and speak to, yeah. is, is it sort of a bubble, and does it seem bubbly compared to what we're hearing now from the from the people people 
Yeah, I, I think that's one of the real problems that that we run into, and and it, it's a nice uh, nice bit of interaction that uh, that I'm having with the show, right? Where you get bubbled in uh, certain monocultures, people believe and not believe in the same sort of way, uh, and too often as a result, they just presume that you share their their viewpoint, right? And so uh, it makes for some awkward situations uh, when uh, when you know your beliefs are presumed to be the same. What t- the thing is, reason it gets complicated and th- it falls on deaf ears. What what you need and what I need as well is a smoking gun that lasts. It's about three words long that makes them go, "Oh, you're right." We don't have that yet. No, no. <laughs> All right, I have time for Bill in Easton. Bill, you're on WBZ, I believe. Hi. Yes, excellent points, uh, Bradley and William. <laughs> Could you be wrong? Excellent. I love asking that question of, uh, you know, people. And I also like to say our entire lives could be a mistake. You know, I'm speaking to humility. You know, I think probably most uh, sensible, you know, members of the major religions would agree with that, you know, to find this common ground to get to get world peace among the major religions. Yes. Thank you very much, Bill. Uh, yeah, I, I appreciate that, and I think humility is uh, is a really important uh, trait to foster, right? In, intellectual honesty and, and intellectual humility. Uh, we, we certainly don't hear enough of it in our, uh, our political discourse, right? Every, no, it's almost seen as a sign of weakness. It definitely is seen as a sign of weakness when someone admits that they could be wrong. And it, it spills over into much of our other uh, our other discourse, including our religious discourse. And uh, just adding on that phrase, I could be wrong, really softens uh, a lot of uh, conversation and uh, I think opens up uh, some possibilities. I think I could be wrong is a sign of strength and that I couldn't be wrong is a sign of weakness and ignorance. Well, I, I, I agree, uh, but I don't think that's the, the common perception. All right. Thank you, Bill. Okay, thank you, guys. Yeah, wow. You know, uh, William, we had many more calls than I thought because it was it was pretty pretty intense stuff here, pretty serious stuff. Yeah, yeah. And the calls were great. They were exactly what I was looking for. So you, it's it's great because you see where I'm at. You see why I wanted you had to be a guest. Why I love this book because it's such a tool for me. Oh, and I you also that. see why in the beginning I tested you. Yeah. Because I I I too will be tested. Yeah. All right. That's a perfect jumping off place. God is a question, not an answer. There's much more to this. It's much more fleshed out in the actual book. It's absolutely a book that everybody should get. You can you can embrace it or you can reject it, but you really should read it. William Irwin, God is a question, not an answer. Finding common ground in our uncertainty. Thank you so very much, William. Thank you for having me, Bradley. It was a pleasure speaking with you and all of your callers. Absolutely. Thank you. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.